welcome to the Sales for People Who Hate Selling podcast. Here, we use our 15 years worth of sales and business experience to explore the common sales fears and niggles that business owners and freelancers face every day. If you're new to sales, you're scared of sales, or you're just starting out in business, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to episode five, series two of this Sales for People Who Hate Selling podcast. I am Ria, and my co-host, as ever, is Richard, did not enjoy sleeping in a tent, Torbel. Hello. Sorry, I, was, I wasn't ready there. I was drinking. Uh, <laughs> um, hello. Is that what I'm going to be known as now? Yeah. It's not that I don't enjoy te- sleeping in, teeping in a slent, um, <laughs> but I, I don't enjoy sleeping in a fabric toilet roll tube. Uh, I'm sure yeah. if it was big, if it was bigger, I'd prefer it, which is, you know, we, a, a normal, I would say. We went, we went camping because, uh, we were supposed to be in Prague this weekend. Um, and you know, global pandemic, difficult situation, weren't able to get there. So we thought let's do something fun. We went camping. We actually had, I think quite a nice time, didn't we? We had an enjoyable time. It was nice. We had like a nice walk and we had like some nice food in the pub and it was good, right? I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I felt like a little bit of a grumpy old man for some of it. Um, Well, that's no change. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be even older soon, so. I know, it's it's your birthday soon. Um, We're we're going to do a GoFundMe for my birthday. (laughs) I need one. Um, Okay, so listen, uh, if you have listened before, you will know that every week we cover a burning question, query, or sales slash business topic. Uh, So what have we done so far? We've done stuff about CRMs. We had pipe drive for that. Client management tools. We had monday.com for that. Uh, We've done how to get past the gatekeeper, cross-selling, cold calling uh we've done qualifying your prospects and lots of other really cool topics so do go back and listen to those and outside of the podcast other than camping we also run seek which is a sales consultancy that helps business owners who maybe don't have a sales background and we help them with implementing sales strategies and techniques uh with my sort of years of uh sales experience and Richard's technical and creative expertise. Um, And we also have a Facebook community, same name as this podcast, Sales for People Who Hate Selling. So do go ahead and join that. Uh, It's full of like-minded business folks, and we post lots of good advice and strategies for sales and uh, business. And we also uh, run sort of free regular Zoom meetings uh, within that group uh, for the members. So come join that if you're into that. Isn't that right, Richard? Yes, that is all of that is true. Yeah, it's a good group, isn't it? It's a nice group, I think. I, I've, I've paused, but that's not because I'm doubting you. Um, Are you drinking it's, again? No, no, it's, it's tea for the record, not like vodka. It's barely for that. <laughs> right. uh, so, listen, on today's episode, we are going to be discussing. Uh, how to get your prospects to say no um, and why and how and you know what for this is all about and, and actually why it's really good for your prospects or indeed your clients you know maybe it's somebody that you're already working with or whatever um, to turn around and say you know what this isn't for me no thanks um, and uh, so in business Richard uh, you would normally imagine that we want our prospects and clients to say yes right well, that's actually true we do want them to say yes um, but uh, like, like a lot of our episodes, we take a commonly understood concept um, that we disagree with and we, we turn it on its head, don't we? Yeah, that's it. You know, a lot, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of sales myths out there um, and I like to come along and beat them over a ha- with a hammer and, uh, you know, squash that myth and turn it on its head. And, and I think we do that a lot. So of course we want our clients and our prospects to say yes. Of course we want meetings. We want exploratory calls. We want to go to networking with people and things like so. Um, but uh, to grow your business and get clients and get revenue, you also need a certain amount of people to say no. Um, and why is this? Okay. So 
if you have a lot of prospects in your pipeline, you know, some of those prospects are going to be like into what you're doing. They're going to be interested in you and your concept or whatever. But what you're also going to have is you're also going to have lots of people within your pipeline that are not really doing anything. They're kind of just sitting there staring at you, but like it's been weeks or it's been months and nothing's really happening with it. And what happens is they clog up not only your pipe, but they also clog up massive amounts of time in your day. Um, so what I would say was I would really urge you guys listening to this to have strategies within your process. So make it a fundamental part of your process that you make it easy for your prospects to say no. Um, so what tends to happen is you'll have like people in your pipe, like that you're, you've pitched already. And some of those people that you pitch will be interested in what you do. Some of those people that you pitch will not be interested in what you do. And, and we see it all the time, don't we, Richard, on, on various groups and business staff and networking where people will say, well, I pitched this person and now I haven't heard from them. Um, and we did a whole episode, I think, um, or we might do it coming up, uh, about following up with your prospects and why it's really important to follow up. But there comes a point where maybe you followed up like 300 billion trillion times um, and you've still heard nothing and it's still not going anywhere. So they sort of tend to sit in the pipeline. They don't really do anything. They add no value to your day. Uh, and this is bad for a variety of reasons, okay? But a couple of reasons why this is not good is the following. One, it screws up your KPIs and figures because it doesn't give a true picture of the number of prospects which have led to a close. Uh, so this is likely to be a bigger problem if you're like an SDR or a BDM. Um, but needless to say, if you're running your own business, you should still have an idea of your metrics. And when your prospect's sitting there week after week after week and they're doing nothing, um, they're not moving through the pipe, it's not reaching a decision, it doesn't accurately reflect your figures. And number two, it's time consuming. You're wasting time on prospects that are never going to buy from you. It's a waste of time. So if you've reached out to someone like 30, 40 times, you've lost lots of different avenues, you've done your research, you've tried to reach to different people within the organization, but you're getting nowhere, it's probably time to accept that they aren't interested in you. Which I know it's, it's hard to hear, right? Um, yeah, I think for the for the uh, purposes of people who are listening, um, who might bear in mind the topic of this podcast, can we not explain to people if, if they, uh, we don't want people to feel stupid. Um, so if you don't know what an SDR or a BDM actually is, can we explain to people what that is? Okay, so uh, of course, so um, an SDR is a sales development rep and a BDM would be like a business development manager. They are two job titles that potentially can mean the same thing or they can mean different things. So an SDR might be somebody that um, is calling lots of prospects during the day, calling and emailing, reaching out for the first time. And a BDM might be somebody who is developing that business into contracts. Um, but, but by and large, just try to think of them as basically salespeople within an organization that are prospecting out to people and trying to obviously get business for that company. Right. Just for clarity for people, if, if, you don't, if you're out there going, what the hell is an SDR? Well, now you know. Now you know. And uh, so obviously metrics are super important if you are an SDR or a BDM within a company, because what's going to happen is you're going to have your pipe and normally what will happen is you'll have like a one-to-one -one with your like sales manager or something. And they want to see like how many people you reached out to versus the number of people that actually closed. So if you have lots of companies sitting in your pipe that are doing nothing and are never going to buy from you, that's going to skew up your, screw up your figures because your manager's going to be like, okay, boy, you've got like 20 prospects here sitting in this pipe um, and they aren't, they aren't closing. Why is that? Um, so you want to basically clear out, clear out that stuff um, that is never going anywhere. But as I said, if you're running your own business, um, so you're not working for somebody else. You're not an SDR. You, you're actually running your own business. It should still be a really important factor to have an idea of your metrics. And that's why using a CRM as well can be really useful. Um, so we did an episode about CRM, maybe episode two, yeah, episode three of this series, I believe. Uh, so go back and, and listen to that one because it goes, goes through why CRM is, is useful for that. Um, so listen, so 
you basically, you want to get your prospects, if they're not doing anything, they're just sitting there, they've been there for weeks and months and blah, blah, blah. And having been an SDR myself and a, and a BDM, so I've worked in those roles, um, I know how it can be very, very difficult to let people go. Um, because what you're thinking is, you're thinking like, oh, but I, like if I call them just one last time, if I email them just one last time, this is going to be the email that's going to turn it around. This is going to be the one that they're going to respond to. Um, and, uh, Richard, we, we compare sales and business to dating quite a lot, don't we? You do. I don't. Okay. All right. I do. Um, because what happens is people need closure. Nobody wants to be dumped, right? No one wants to be ghosted. Um, people need closure. So you want to be able to email or do something with your prospect that enables them to come back to you and say, you know what? I'm not really interested in you. Right. We, 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 we want to stop wasting time. You know, like we've done so many episodes now that I can't remember which episode is, is which, but we did one episode on, on prospecting you know, mm. and, and, and how to prospect properly. And that's a super important part of it as well, because you're trying to basically f- filter out people that aren't uh, going to be a good fit for you. You know, we shouldn't yeah. get wrapped, wrapped up in this, this concept that every single person that we talk to is a potential client because th- yeah. you know, that's just not, that's what, that's what poor managers say. You know? Yeah, 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 for uh, sure. So, you know, assuming that we've done our prospecting correct and we've figured out that, you know, as far as we can reasonably ascertain, the person that we are now engaging with is a good prospect for us as you go down that that sort of sales process uh, you know we need to decide and figure out whether whether they are or not and we, you know we were having this conversation about one of our prospects you know before we got on this on this call um that you don't want people stuck in that are you yes or are you no um maybe position for an yeah. extended period of time because yeah. if if you are then you're basically wasting your time yeah so it's important to say um obviously as Richard pointed out that obviously we want our prospects to say yes of course we do we want them to say yes to meeting with us to going for a coffee to meeting at an event to doing an exploratory call and of course the ultimate yes is that we want them to obviously do business with us and get that contract signed what we're talking about here is prospects where you've done your research so you know that they're your right audience they're a perfect client for you you've reached out to the right people and you've used a variety of different avenues so you've called you've you know left voicemails you've done email you've written a letter you've sent a carrier pigeon whatever it is you've done you've you've reached out in a variety of different ways and you've reached out consistently for a number of weeks or potentially even months and you've maybe also tried different people in the organization you've tried to get in different ways like for example if you've been trying to contact the ceo you know, maybe you try the CEO's, I don't know, PA or whatever to try to, you know, get in the, the, to the right people. So you've, you've tried a variety of different things and it's, and it's got nowhere. So what happens is, is a prospect is just kind of sitting in your pipe for weeks and months on end, doing nothing. You're not getting any responses and it's just basically sitting there um, kind of screwing up your figures. Or the other potential scenario is that this could be somebody that you've actually spoken to. Um, you've pitched them before. Um, you've given them a proposal of what's going to happen and what you can do for them and all the amazing things that's going to happen when you guys are going to work together. Um, but then it's kind of just nothing's really happened with it. You've followed up. You've tried to get a yes from them. You know, you've offered more value. You've maybe even discounted the price. You've done all of those things and they're still not getting back to you. So these are the scenarios that we're talking about. We're not saying that you should contact somebody once and basically put on the end of your email, yes or no, and they're going to reply no, right? That, that's not what we're talking about, right? There is, a, there is a process for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, you should um, have a process. Yeah. And, and I've been working in sales for many, many years. Um, and I know from working as an SDR and a BDM, it's actually very hard to move on from prospects that you haven't heard back from yet. Because as I mentioned, you always think that the next email you can, you send or the next message or the next phone call is going to be the one. Do you know what? It rarely ever is. Um, you know, if someone hasn't got back to you for months on months and months on end, sending the same sort of information over and over again, 
probably isn't going to work. So getting your prospects to say, you know what, Richard, please just leave me alone. Um, is a vital part of your strategy. So you can just move on, say goodbye, get closure, right? Exactly. Now, Richard, you will know about my one, two, three email that I talk about in business groups and when we go networking. Um, and it's essentially asking your prospects to reply by way of a one, two, three of where they're at. Um, and I would say it's probably one of our most popular and well-liked pieces of kind of help and guidance that we've given people, I, I would say, do you think? It is because it's based around the idea of, uh, well, we don't, we don't know what's going on in the mind of the person that we're engaging with for a start. Yeah. Uh, but we do, what we do know, generally speaking, is that people are really, really busy. There is, a, there is a chance, how much of a chance depends on the individual circumstances, but there is a chance that the person that you're engaging with is actually genuinely interested in what you're talking about, what you, yeah. what you offer, but yeah. just hasn't had the time to do it. So people yeah. are uh, to time to reply. So it, we, we do know that people are really, really busy. They'll often say, do you know what? I really need to reply to that email, but I just haven't had the time. So what we're doing here, uh, what you'll explain, is that we're giving people the opportunity to let us know what the lay of the land is in the simplest and quickest way possible. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not going to go through the whole one, two, three email because that's that would be um, quite boring, I think, for people to maybe listen to that. But I'll, I'll go over it briefly. Uh, but if you would like the full like email um, and maybe like a chat with me and we can do it together, we can put something together for you and your business and just give me a shout on Twitter at we are seek or join the group sales for people who hate selling and you'll actually find the email in there. But basically the one, two, three email is basically where you say like, Hey Richard, it's been X number of days or weeks since we last spoke. And when we last spoke, we said the following, we agreed the following, whatever it is. Or if you've never spoken to them before, you can say something like, hey, Richard, you know what? Like I've tried to reach you 272 times um, and I haven't heard from you, right? One of the things you, you uh, do a lot in, in that one, two, three is that you use humor. And I think that's, that's kind of really important. Yeah. You, know, you always say something sure. like, you know, have you been captured by Russian midgets or something yeah. like that? Yeah. And just so, gonna, you know. I think it depends. Like if you've never spoken to someone before, maybe, you know, you can add that element because at the end of the day, it's like, I tried to contact this person 393 times. I've never heard from them. I, I don't know who this person is. So maybe I can add like a little bit of humor or whatever. But if you have spoken to them before and you know that that's not going to be well received because let's face it in business, not everybody wants to have a laugh. Some people are very stoic. And if somebody else is very stoic, I sometimes feel that you should mirror that kind of, that, that thing. Um, but basically- that's, that's for a different episode. As for a whole other episode. But anyway, the one, two, three email, so you, you address like, hey, Richard, I've tried to contact you 93 billion times and I haven't heard from you. You're a really difficult person to get hold of. Uh, could you just let me know by way of a one, two, three, where you're at? And the three options that you give, I mean, you can be as creative and as explanatory as you like. It really doesn't matter, but basically you give somebody three options so that they can reply either yes or no. So one might be, you've won the lottery and uh, you've emigrated to a tropical island and as such, I should never hear from you again. Number two, this slipped your mind and actually uh, you'd really like to get in touch and, and have a chat with me. Um, if so, here's my calendar. Or number three, this isn't a good fit, fit right now. And actually what you'd like me to do is go away. Right. And uh, I've just realized that I said that I wasn't going to do the email and I've literally just done it. But basically, if you want like a personalized thing and you want to talk about it with me, then obviously still get in touch and we can put something together that's more personal, perhaps to you and your business. But basically what you're doing with that email is you're giving somebody the opportunity to say no, to tell you to go away. And also all they have to do is hit reply and either press one, two or three. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I so think, it's going to be really simple, isn't it? And I think one of the reasons why this has been so popular when we've talked about it in our business groups and our networking, when I've said to people, hey, you should try this email. You try this one, two, three email that I have. And people are like, oh my God, I love that. 
And I think one of the reasons for that is, is because business owners and salespeople don't often know how to get people to say no, because they're so used to this concept of asking people to say yes. So when you say to somebody, okay, well, you know what you should do? You should just try to get them to tell you to piss off. People are like, oh my God, that's, that's really crazy. Like I've not heard that before. Um, and I think that that's why it's really popular, right? I think so. Yeah, we're frightened of we're frightened of the of the outcome. If people we we think that um, if the people say no, uh, then you know we're going to be you know a business is going to be destroyed and we're never going to work again. And yeah, you know, we put but it's that's how we think. You know, even if it's yeah. subconsciously, and it's it's ridiculous. You know, yeah, like you should not be frightened of people saying no. It's not a good fit. You should yeah. actually think that's a good thing because yeah. it enables you to then and it sounds like a really like cliche thing to say but it enables you to move on to people who do want what you want For don't sure. be don't and that's, and that's the whole kind of summary of what we're talking about is, is yeah. not, not not to be frightened of it you know exactly and if you've got like 20 30 prospects in your pipeline that are in this sort of situation where either you've never spoken to them and it's been weeks and months and you've tried everything or they're a prospect that you've spoken to once or maybe twice, but now they're ghosting you. That's a waste of your time. And concentrating on prospects like that stops you from able to concentrate on prospects that will actually buy from you. So when I was working as an SDR or a BDM, what we tended to do as a, as a team is every sort of month or two months or whatever, we would have sessions with our manager where we would go through like, okay, which of these prospects are like going to go anywhere? Which of these prospects are interesting? And we would just basically have a clear out or another thing that you can do if you are working as an SDR or a BDM, or if you have your own business and you have someone else working in your business that can do it for you, you can swap leads around with your teammates, you know? So if you've been trying to, con if you've been trying to contact Richard for, you know, 300 days and Richard hasn't got back to you, you can give that lead to your teammate and give her a try because Sometimes prospects like a, a, a different name. So that's just a suggestion also. Um, yep. Now, in the meantime, what we're going to do, as always, is we're going to run through three strategies that will help you to get a no from your prospects, gain closure, and concentrate on prospects that actually matter to you. Because that's what we want, isn't it? People that matter to us. We, we don't want to waste our time. We don't want to waste our time. We want, um, we want people that matter, that care, and they're going to buy from us. So number one, uh, voicemails. Now I've talked about voicemails a lot before. I think with you, Richard, uh, because I don't like voicemails because uh, I think it puts power into the hands of the person who you're trying to contract, right? Which I don't like because I personally feel that as the, as the vendor, as the seller, the, the power of what you're doing should always be in your hands, right? Yep, yep. Well, you, you should have, uh, you should always know what the next uh, the next step is. You should always be in control of the process. That doesn't mean that you have to be like, you know, my way or the highway, but you should always have a system and a process that you're following. Exactly. So if I give you an example, Richard, if I left you a voicemail um, in a business capacity, and I said, hi, Richard, it's Ria. I'm calling about X, Y, Z. Please, can you call me back? Right? But then you don't call me back. So you don't call me back and a week goes by. And then I call you again. I would imagine that you, maybe, maybe not you, but most people would be annoyed because I asked you to call me back, but you didn't call me back. So now I'm calling you again. That's, that's annoying. I don't like that scenario right Sorry, it's very arrogant why it's should i call bit, you back it's a little bit i don't really like it right but a voicemail can work really well in this scenario of getting people to say no right because what you can do is you can leave a voicemail that might be like this hey mary it's ria from xyz i left a couple of messages and a bunch of emails for you about abc if this isn't for you and you'd like me to leave you alone can you drop me an email back and let me know? Otherwise, I'm going to call you again in a couple of days. Because if you got that email and you're, you got that voicemail, you're Mary, it's like, okay, 
I, if it's not interesting to me, I've just got to send an email and tell her to go away, basically. Otherwise, she's going to keep calling me. And that's really irritating. I don't want this person to keep calling me. So basically, what you're saying to Mary is like, it's okay. If you're not interested, it's fine. Just tell me you're not interested. Um, so that's a really good method of asking your prospect to basically tell you to do one. I think that works really, I think you touched on this earlier, but to be clear, I think that, that works well in situations where you've already had some form of, of interaction with the person. Yeah, if they've, for sure. If they've literally never heard of you, they don't know who you are and you did that, I, I, I would think that was, that's a terrible idea. Um, but in situations where you've um, you know, had some kind of engagement, you've had a couple of conversations, they've shown a level of interest, but they've just gone quiet, then I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, for sure. So that would be a really good one, like you say, for somebody that you've maybe sent a proposal to already, you met them at an event, you got on like a house on fire, you gave them a pitch and everything seemed really cool. And uh, now it seems like they vanished into thinner. So you're basically saying, you know what, Mary, like, it's fine. I, I get it. You're probably not interested to so just let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to keep calling you. Right. Um, yep. so all Mary has to do in that scenario is just reply to an email and basically say, uh, do one, go away. Um, so that's really cool. So number two, now most people, right. Are conditionally programmed to be liked. Everyone wants people to like them apart from maybe you, Richard. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Um, and that's why a lot of people don't like sales, right? Because there's a lot of ignoring people. There's a lot of rejection. Um, there's a lot of people saying no thanks. Um, and that's crap for some people, right? So this concept of people saying no is going to feel really alien to a lot of people because nobody likes hearing, no, I don't want to be your friend. No, I don't want to meet. No, I don't think your product is for us. No, I won't be moving ahead. Right. And they also say, that 90% of people have massive egos and the other 10% just don't want to admit it. Right? Where do you yep. think you are? Where do you think you are in that statistic, Richard, by the way? Um, are you in the 90% with a massive ego or the 10% that doesn't want to admit it? I don't have a massive ego, I don't think. I think it, 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 it comes back to what we were saying earlier, you know, is that people were frightened to hear people say I'm not interested because a lot of the time especially in smaller businesses you know our business is basically us you know it's incredibly personal and if mm. someone says I'm not interested that we take it as I don't like you yeah, you know? yeah, yeah sure. whereas actually you've got to remember that like your business and yourself are two separate entities you know it's, it's entirely possible for someone to think that actually you're a pretty decent chap uh, or, or, or chapess um, but just not be interested in it or have a need for your product or service. So, um, you know, we have to get over ourselves and we have to get over this fear of being told no. Uh, yeah, and, for and sure. I think that it's more to do with that, I think, than having, a, having an ego. Yeah, and I think basically what I was going to say is the way to combat that fear of no with your ego is, as I mentioned before, is to make sure that you're taking control of all of the situations, right? So never ask a prospect to call you, always call them. Never leave you know, things in your prospect's hands. Um, so you wanna be taking the initiative, right? So um, you wanna let them know how you're gonna be getting in touch with them. You wanna know when you're gonna be getting in touch with them and in what sort of um, medium you're gonna do that. So like, you can be like, okay, you know what, Sue, this has been great. If it's okay with you, I'm going to call you in three days to see how you're doing and if we can progress next steps. Trust me, if Sue doesn't want you to call, she's going to say, you know what, please don't call me. So there's your no. Yeah. That's yeah. your no. And then you can take it from there and investigate why it is Sue doesn't want you to call. Is it because she's not interested? Is it budget? Whatever it is. Um, but if you're setting that boundary from the beginning where you've had the call with the prospect, you've pitched them, you've done the proposal, Sue seems super keen. Uh, and then you're like, you know what, Sue, this is great. I'm going to call you and then we can do next steps. And she's going to either say, that's fantastic. I can't wait to speak to you or whatever. Or she's mm. going to say, you know what, please don't call me. 
And now there's your, there's your answer about how interested Sue is. What we tend to find, Richard, is that, uh, and, and you'll know this, is that people tend to do a proposal, they do a pitch, and then they do this thing where they say something along the lines of, okay, well, let me know what you think and I'll wait to hear from you. Yeah, that's stop, a terrible idea. Stop doing that. Because basically what you're doing is you're leaving it in their hands to decide what happens next. And then what tends to happen is people say, well, I did this proposal and I spent three days doing it. And it was like all of my time was invested and I sent out the proposal and then we had this great call and it was amazing. But now it's been two weeks and I haven't heard from them. Mm. And, that, yeah. and that's super frustrating. So you want to really set the tone straight away from the outset about how things are going to go down. So you, you say to your prospect, okay, like we've done the proposal, we've done the pitch. This has been great. I've loved talking to you. The things that you've told me are important to you are X, Y, Z. I'm going to call you in three days to move forward, to progress the next steps. And, you know, they're going to say either brilliant, fantastic, or they're going to say, no, thank you. You know, you, you give them the opportunity. Yeah, of, of, of course. Um, and I, I think that uh, it's, we, we also have to understand that people are much, um, much more confident saying no than they are saying, saying yes to something. Yeah. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get into that in, in, a, in a little bit. But I, I think that what's, what's important is that, and you've, you've touched on this a, a little bit, is that you're not being super firm and, you know, this is the way it is. This is the way it's going to go. It's absolutely fine, and you should set this out at the very beginning. Mm. You know, uh, this is our process. You know, this is the way we work. Is that okay with you? You know, yeah. like that. That sentence and that question alone makes such a big difference. I think. Yeah. You know, so you can at the very beginning of of having an engagement with somebody, you know, you lay out your steps. You lay out the way that you know we do a proposal call, then we do a follow up call. This, then we do this. Then it's contracts. Like. Is, is that okay with you? You know, yeah. and when you're talking about what, what you just said there, you know, like next steps, yeah. I, you know, I'll call you in three days. Like, is that okay with you? So for yeah. people who are thinking, I can't be super formal and, and super firm and be like, right, this is it. This is the way I work. Like, take it or leave it. You yeah. don't have to be like that. And you for shouldn't sure, be like sure. that. You know, you should, you should be like, you should be asking them at the same time. Is that okay? okay with you because you're taking control of the situation you're not saying oh, oh, no, let, let me know if you want to do it because that's a terrible idea of, as you said but you're taking control in a way that makes everybody feel like actually they're working together rather yeah. than you're this like super arrogant egotistical like yeah person who who wants to control everything you know yeah and also like these things that we're talking about in this example all they basically are is closing techniques there are techniques to close deals that salespeople have been doing, you know, since time began, right? And if you are a freelancer or you're a business owner that doesn't have that sales background, so has never had any kind of training or experience of working in a sales environment where you have to close business, this can feel really alien. And I think that this is why we come across a lot of our clients and a lot of people that we talk to where they do things where they do this amazing pitch and this amazing proposal because of course their service and their product is fantastic but they actually don't know how to close it um right. so they do end up saying things at the end of a conversation like oh well you know i'll wait to hear from you or oh let me know by friday if you want to move ahead or whatever so yeah. i, w I want to say something at this point because like we, we, we've all been there you know, you'll say to the, so your your prospect, um, you know, I, I'll call you in three days. Is that okay? And you get a lot of like, ah, oh, I'm not sure. Like, we'll, we'll we'll get back to you. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like that's a really common thing. Or like, I finally you've done the proposal call. They've they've seemed really interested. Um, you know, and you said I'll, I'll email you on Friday. Let you know. How, you know we could discuss how to, to move forward or whatever and and, and they just kind of uh oh, well yeah okay um I'll, well I'll, I'll let you know like what's the best way of people being able to deal with that kind of situation where they're very like ums and ahs and i'm not sure and you can't really nail them down to a next step i think it's a, it's a great question i mean i think definitely closing techniques could be a whole other podcast episode um and we could easily do that next week and and really go through some methods I think that if you are confident enough, um, and hopefully if you're in business and you're running your own show, you should feel confident enough, 
you've got to ask them questions about what is preventing them from moving ahead. Exactly. So yeah. if you ask somebody, you know, so if you've done this amazing proposal, this amazing pitch, and you're speaking to this guy, let's say it's called John, and John loved it, and you're getting on like a house on fire, and he's making all the right noises that he's going to move ahead. And then you say to him, okay, John, well, the next steps from my side are that I'm going to send over a two-page document for you to sign, um, and then and then we're going to progress next steps, and we'll get and um, we'll start working together. And I'm really excited about it. And then John goes, oh, I'm not sure about that, right? Mm. Then what you do is you can ask that very simple question, which is just like, okay, John, what what is it that's preventing you from moving ahead? And then you can uncover the objections. So if John says, uh, and I think we covered this in another podcast, John says, well, it's the price. And you go, okay, John, if price was no object, if this was free, would you move ahead? And he still says no, then price isn't the problem. And then you go to the next objection. If he says, yeah, if this was free, I'd sign up tomorrow then you can indicate that price might be the problem and then you can go down some avenues to maybe come up with a different pricing structure or, you know, add some value or whatever it is. And, uh, sure. and you know, we, we can talk about that on another episode or in the group or whatever. But if he says, uh, if he says, no, I wouldn't move ahead if it was free, then you uncover the next objection. So, okay, what, so what is it that's preventing you moving ahead? And he might say, well, you know what? Uh, we really need this, but actually um, more for like three months time. So then it's a time issue. Um, so then you can say something like, this is my, my classic. You're okay, John, well, you know what? Um, for, for us to work together, what I can do is let's, let's book you in like now, you know, we'll send over the document, we'll get the contract signed, but we won't proceed until three months time. So then that's, yeah. your, ti- that's your time objective. So basically without going into the whole thing, um, you're, you ask questions to him to understand what's preventing them from moving ahead. Right. It's perfectly it's perfectly fine to in fact it's not fine, it's almost essential to yeah. s- stop skirting around the point, you know, and you know, get to the you know, uncover the truths behind yeah. uh, you know what's really going on. And that's why I think those kinds of questions um, that you just said are, are are really great. And we have this thing sometimes where we're just so worried about I don't know what it is like so why they're going to get annoyed with us or something you know that we we don't we don't bother asking the question and you end up ending the call and you're like I have no idea what's going to happen next yeah and and that's a terrible situation to be in I think that's tied in with what we were talking about earlier it's one of the main reasons why people don't like being in sales and why people have this massively negative connotation about selling in sales because they associate it with arrogance they associate it with that sort of hustle and bustle of like trying to close people and trying to do deals. And some people don't like that. And they also associate it with rejection and getting lots of no's and people telling you to go away. And what I, I would say, you know, if you are in business and you obviously got a fantastic product that you're trying to sell, um, either you'll have like a team that's doing that for you or you'll be doing it yourself. Um, I would really suggest maybe um, taking some time out and, maybe doing some kind of workshop about confidence and, and that kind of thing. Because I did that before I did a, a, a workshop before about um, confidence um, in sales um, because my numbers and my quotas was like really, really good. But the thing that always held me back was a little bit of confidence issues. Um, and so I did a workshop before about being confident without being arrogant and knowing the right kind of questions to ask um, that builds rapport with people and, and helps you to understand people without coming across as being pushy and kind of arrogant which I didn't want to be because I'm not that kind of person no um, we're, we're, we're not suggesting that anyone does it we're, we're massive advocates of people of people having this uh, consultative approach to selling which we've you know people who have uh, listened to other episodes um you know will we'll know that we've talked about that a lot so you know we yeah. shouldn't we shouldn't uh, let people assume that we mean that you have to be pushy or or you know Maybe it's a controversial statement, but I don't think that you can close somebody who's, who doesn't want to be closed. You know, I, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, and that's you know what we're trying to find out. You know, are, are you interested uh, or or are you not? You know, and if you're not, yeah. let me know. It's okay. For sure, for sure. So um, yeah, we can do a we can do a podcast episode about um, closing techniques. We can do that next week if you want, Richard. 
let us know let us know people if you want us to do that uh yeah so uh basically number two is about taking control um and you outlining to the client what the next steps are going to be so that all kind of ties into that number three um another email that i really like to send out is the assumptive not interested email rolls off the tongue you can think of a better name for it if you want uh so basically you will send out an email that reads hi richard um, it's been X number of days since we last spoke or I've tried to contact you X number of times. And then you go on to say very simply, I'm going to assume this isn't a good, good fit for you. So I'm going to bail on the, this one and I wish you well. Now, I know this goes against my actually getting a no theory because you're basically inverted commas giving up. Um, but I like it because it provides closure for you. Also, people are weird creatures, right? And if you take something away from them, they want it even more. So if you say to somebody, you know what, I guess you're not really interested in this. That's fine. It's totally cool with me. I don't care. You're not interested, whatever. It's amazing how many people will go, hang on a minute. <laughs> hang on a minute. Right. I, never said I, I never said I wasn't interested. Hang, hang on. You know, and suddenly they want to have a chat with you or they want to respond to your email or whatever. But if they don't, then, then you're able to just move on and, and crack on with, with whatever it is you're going to be doing next, right? Yeah, I think this, I think this one's really powerful, but it, you have to be careful about when, when and how you use it. Um, you know, it's not something I don't think that people should use all of the time. I think it should almost be like a last chance saloon kind of thing. For sure. Uh, where you literally can say to yourself, you know what, like I've tried everything and if I continue to you know drag this one out i'm just gonna look desperate and waste my time mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and it's like i there's no I, I literally have nothing left in my arsenal to get this yeah. person to communicate with me yeah um and then you go do you know what actually i do have one thing left in my arsenal and and, and you can use this and yeah. uh, it could be the thing that you said that often kickstarts it um back back in 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 process again or yeah. Or, or, or you don't hear from them and if you don't hear from them you just put that into your crm as you know lost contact or whatever yeah and i want to say as well there was an interesting discussion on one of the business groups that i'm in the other day and it was about following up with prospects and this is sort of tied into what you were saying richard and somebody had basically said on there um i, I pitched someone i sent them a proposal i followed up a couple of times but now i don't know what to do next right and i would say when you are following up with prospects, you need to make sure that every single time you follow up with somebody, you add additional value to what you're saying or what you've previously been said. So you don't want to get into this habit where you send another email and it basically just has that, you know, in the subject line where it's like re, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And then in the like um, body of the email, you don't want to get into a habit where you're basically saying, oh, so have you, have you had any more thoughts about this? Question mark. Or mm. um, what do you think about this? Question mark. Because it's just really dull. Um, that's, that's the only way that I can describe it. It's just dull. It's pointless. Um, nobody is going to read the 30 second email that you sent that day that says, so interested? Question mark. So when you're working with a prospect either you've spoken to them before or you haven't whatever every time you send a follow-up email try to add an additional bit of information so what we talk about in our sales strategy sessions is when you prospect someone you want to make sure that your first prospecting email is what i call the hook and what people tend to fall into the trap of is they is they prospect but they give away the baby with the bathwater. So they give away all of their information in, in one email. And then, oh, God, yeah. and then there's nothing else to give. There's nothing else to say. So your first email needs to be the hook. So you get someone interested and it can be literally three sentences long. And that enables you to then when somebody doesn't respond for the fifth time, it enables you to every time you send an email, you're able to add some new information, either about your company or about the industry, or you could share blogs or articles that might be interesting and link it back to something they've said on LinkedIn or whatever. You need to be adding additional value. So when we come to this assumptive, not interested email, you really have given everything. You've tried lots of different things. If you've got to your 30th email and all you've basically said is, you know, in each, every single email is like, hi, John, just wondering if you got my last email. Hi, John, just checking up. Did you get my last email? Hi, John, just emailing again. Did you get my last email? Like, no one cares. 
it's it's dull and it doesn't work so you need to make sure that you're adding additional value each time so that when you come to doing these kind of emails that we're talking about where basically you are getting that closure um, and you're basically saying well you know what john guess you're not interested you have actually given everything you've tried different things right yeah of course that's, that's exactly what it is isn't it it's yeah. it's it's last chance saloon yeah so all of these things uh, whether it's a voicemail that we talked about, a couple of emails or whatever, they're not emails that and voicemails that you send out after trying to contact someone twice. You know, I think the average is between eight and thirteen times that you need to contact someone before you even get one reply. That's the average. So if you're talking about you know trying to contact someone on a regular basis, these these are not emails that you send out in day number two because you can't be bothered and because you're going to give up. That's that's not how it's how it's going to work. These are emails and voicemails that you're going to send when it's been maybe a, quite a few weeks, maybe even months. And you finally realize that actually this person is not going to come back to you and you just need to move on. Right. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I, I think that we use these kinds of emails in situations where you've had some form of interaction. Cause I don't know about you, but I get emails all of the time from people that I have no idea who they are. I've never spoken to them. Yeah. I don't, I've got no interest in what they're doing or, or offering, but you get these emails where it's like, Oh, I assume you're not interested. And I'm like, well, of course I'm not interested because we haven't had any kind of communication, any kind of conversation. So exactly. every, everything that we're, we're talking about, the, the, the processes that you, you use are different in situations where you cold emailing or cold calling, which we still believe there's a place for. Yeah. And in situations where you've actually had some form of engagement or interaction with somebody. And that's the kind of focus of what we've been talking about today. This is when people have actually spoken to you, you've had a conversation or you've exchanged emails and they've shown some form of, yes, I'm interested, but for whatever reason, you know, it's started to go off, off track and they've lost interest and you need to figure out what you want to do next. It's a yeah. very different thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think that um, the one, two, three email that I talked about at the beginning of this episode, that can definitely be used when you've spoken to someone before you maybe know them a little bit and you've maybe had a conversation about what you guys were going to potentially work on together. But I think the the voicemail certainly can be used when you haven't spoken to somebody before. And also the assumptive email can be used when you haven't spoken to somebody before, because if you're working on the basis that like, I need to speak to somebody before I can effectively decide if they're not interested, you're still going to have a pipeline, which is clogged up with lots and lots of prospects that it's been, you know, 52 weeks of the year and they've never got back to you. So I think it depends whether you've spoken to them before or not as to which method you choose and also how you word that method. Because the assumption is if you've spoken to them before, you maybe know them a little bit, you've had a conversation, you understand their problems. Um, but if you haven't ever spoken to them before, you've got no idea who they are and you know really whether this is a good fit or not. Um, the assumption email I think is quite good in that scenario um, because it's very, you know, it's just very matter of fact. It's like, look, I've tried to call you 17 times. I've emailed you a hundred times you know what, I'm going to assume this isn't a good fit, so I'm going to bail on you and wish you well. Done. Um, yeah, just as an, an added point, she's a slight deviation, but there's been a couple of times during this conversation where I thought it was important to mention. We talk about pipelines. You, you have to have a full pipeline because right. if, if, you, if you have a pipeline where you've got two people in it and one of those people is about to say no, your panic is going to be much higher because you think, God, yeah. if I like, yeah. if this person says no, then I'm going to lose like 50% of my, of my leads. A hundred percent. You know, and, I, and, and, and I've, I've been there, you know, I, I can remember a scenario in my last paid position where I had a prospect in the sort of negotiation stage. It looked really positive that they were going ahead. And I took my foot off the pedal and kind of basically said, I'm good because they're going to go ahead. I don't need to do anything else. Kind of sat back on my chair for a week and uh, lo and behold, they, they didn't move ahead. And uh, that, that's what happens. And that's a lesson in what not to do, because if you have a full pipe, you know, if you've got 10 people sitting in negotiation and four of those people say, no, you've still got six left. Right. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, it's really important. 
and, and, and we talked earlier in this episode about the figures in your CRM and how it's important not to you know, skew those figures. And what's a really important exercise is if you look at an average month where maybe you've closed, I don't know, 10,000 pounds worth of business, let's say. And what you do is you work backwards. So like I closed 10,000 pounds worth of business. How many people did I have to pitch to get to that point? So you work backwards. So for example, if I have you know, 10 people in negotiation, but five of those moved ahead, that means I have to have 10 people in negotiation, but how many people did I have to pitch for it to move to negotiation? I needed 20 people. I needed to pitch 20 people. So how many people did I have to contact to get 20 pitches? Okay, well, I needed to contact 200 people. Mm. So then you work backwards and you can understand, right? Okay, so next month, if I want to do 10,000 pounds worth of business next month, I need to contact 200 people again. And of course, like it's not an exact science. It's never going to work out exactly like that. But what you can do is you can take averages. So after six months, after 12 months, you can look at your CRM and you can be like, okay, well, in February, I contacted 200 people. I did 10,000 worth of pounds worth of business. In March, I contacted 500 people, but I did 7,000 pounds worth of business. And what happened in between those two stages for us to get to that point? And that's a really, really important exercise. And if you are working in business um, and you don't have a sales background, that might be something that you've never done before because you've not worked in a sales office like I have, where those kind of meetings with your manager are regular and they're painful um, and uh, you really sort the wheat from the chaff and you kind of really break down figures. Um, and it's something that we offer at Seek because we know that a lot of business owners don't have that opportunity to do that with their CRM. So we also do that, don't we? We do that with people. We do. We do. Um, and also, uh, when I used to do it with some of my managers, um, it was quite a painful experience, but I make it fun, interactive and brilliant. So just to say, I, I, I don't disagree. Um, okay. So l- listen, should we do a summary of the three points that we've gone through um, for people to get their prospects to say, no, thank you. Yeah. We've got off track a little bit uh, on occasion, but, but I think that's been, in, been good to do. It's been, but, it's been um, interesting because it's been linked, you know, because to get to this point where you're getting your prospect to say, no, there's going to be a, a long line of things that are going to have happened before that. And uh, I think, I think people need to know what those things are. Yep. Okay. I agree. Uh, okay. So number one, voicemail. Um, so you can leave a voicemail for somebody that basically says, Hey, uh, John, it's Ria from X. I left you a couple of messages and a bunch of voicemails. Uh, if this isn't for you, uh, could you drop me an email and let me know? If not, I'll call you again in a few days. So you're putting the onus on them to let you know that they're not interested. And you're basically letting them know that, if they don't tell you you're not interested, you're going to keep on calling. Uh, number two, uh, we talked about uh, defining next steps. So you always make sure at the end of an interaction with a prospect or with a client, you define clearly what those next steps will be. And then you can uncover how interested they are and how likely they are to move forward. So if you're saying something like, okay, Sue, this is great. Just to let you know, the next steps on our side is for us to send out a contract for you to sign. And then we progress. Um, and she says, oh, I, I don't want you to do that. You can ask her why and kind of what, what problems that she, she's, she might be facing that prevents her from moving ahead, right? Mm-hmm. Number three is the assumptive, not interest email. Uh, so basically you send out an email. This could be somebody that you've spoken to before, or as I mentioned, it could be somebody that, you know, you've never ever spoken to before. It's just a prospect that you've been trying to email over and over and over again, and uh, you're getting nowhere. Um, and this is basically to say, hi, Sue, you know what? I've tried to call you a couple of times. You're really hard to get hold of. I've also sent you a couple of emails, but you know what? I'm going to assume that this is not a good fit and I'm going to bail on you. And I wish you the very best and have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, whatever you want to say. Um, and then basically what sometimes will happen is because people have FOMO, fear of missing out, um, or because people are weird and if you tell them they can't have something, they want it more, they will suddenly respond and say, oh, well, hang on a minute. I didn't say no, you know, let's, let's have a conversation or whatever, or they might mm. just not reply. But basically you get closure because then you can just remove them from your pipe and move on to better okay. and brighter, beautiful things. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Uh, so uh, that, I think that was good. That was a good summary and hopefully people will get a lot of value out of that. I know that when we are in our business groups and so on and so forth, people really like this idea of people saying no. Um, so hopefully this has been a good episode. 
Richard, please tell people uh, where they are able to find us, tell them about our website, tell them about our social media and anything else that you feel is relevant. Yeah, we're, for those of you who don't know, um, you know, we're on most social media platforms. Our, our main ones really are Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, you can find us um, by searching We Are Seek, S-double-E-K-E. -E. Uh, and we do have a, a new website. It's been live for a few weeks now. It's seek.online. So uh, S-double-E-K-E -E dot online. Yeah. So next week, uh, what we were going to talk about is leads. Uh, we were going to talk about not all leads are born equal. Um, it's a big bugbear of mine. Um, and I get a little bit angry about it, don't I, Richard? Because people, people go, oh, I got 100 leads from this company and uh, none of them converted. Or they'll say like, oh, I got a thousand leads from this company and uh, they were all crap or whatever. Uh, so not all leads are born equal, and we're gonna go through the different types of leads, um, but also uh, a little bit about lead management and what you should do when you get leads and stuff like that. So we were gonna do that, but if you would prefer us to do closing techniques, then we could do that instead and do the leads the following week, whatevs. Let us know. Um, I like the idea, both of them are really good. I like the idea of um, the, the not all leads are born equal um, because that's something that we do talk about quite a lot. Uh, and there is, again, what we said at the beginning, like a, a, a lot of the topics that we talk about are, are putting misconceptions right. And yeah. we, we see this a lot, like, as you've just said, you know, where, where people get uh, a bunch of leads from somewhere and they're not leads you know yeah. getting getting a, a spreadsheet of a thousand names and email addresses of local business owners are not leads yeah. so you know yeah. we you heard it here first and uh what as i mentioned what tends to happen is people go well i got a thousand names and email addresses from uh this company that i hired to get leads but none of them converted and um, what we uncover is that um, the reason why they didn't convert is because there was no strategy in place to turn those leads into business. So we're going to talk about that's, that. That's, that's also hugely important. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're a, a small company and, you know, you don't have any strategy in place for actually you know, processing those leads, then you can get a thousand really good leads that actually are leads. But if you don't know what to do with them, then you've wasted your money. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you need someone to be able to, uh, you know, manage those processes through uh, you know, increasing your chances of converting them. Really, yeah. and if you don't have somebody uh, on on site to do that, then you need to find somebody that does it. Uh, yeah. And the other thing that that you know talks about leads that is becoming obviously increasingly common is leads. And this really winds me up, as I know it does you. Leads from social media. Yeah, you know, if it's because somebody has liked your Instagram post, it does lead. not make them a lead. It's you know, so if you're right, a company exactly. that says, you know, I can get you, you know, ten thousand people that's liked your Instagram page, then they're not leads. They're not leads. Know? And and so, I will say this, you know, we're going to talk about this on on next episode. So let's not go into too much detail now. But I just want to say this to because I'll just run straight into it. And yeah, exactly. I'll, we'll just start recording episode. now because um, <laughs> this is this is a topic of of you know it, it's a really meaty topic so i think next week's episode is going to be a long one um but what i hear a lot is people saying as i've said they'll say well you know i, I got like 100 leads from this lead generation company and none of them converted and all of the blame gets put on the lead generation company right for sure now if the lead generation company has done their job their job is to deliver the leads in the category that you asked for. So there are lots of different categories, but let's say, for example, you asked for CEOs working in the automation industry and they all had to be based in London, right? So the lead generation company gives you those leads, right? It is not the lead generation company's job to sell them. It is your job. You are the business owner. You are the person that is supposed to sell to the CEO, whatever business product it is. So if they didn't convert, but the lead generation company's done their job, it's not the lead generation company's fault. And uh, it's something that I see a lot. And uh, I want to talk about it, obviously, in a lot more detail next week. And uh, it's important to obviously note that there are some companies out there that are not delivering the leads, perhaps in the capacity that they say they, they should, blah, 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 blah. Like the example that you just said about Instagram likes, which winds me up. Um, but if the lead generation company has done their job and they've delivered the leads that you asked them to deliver, 
the job of converting is yours, not the lead generation company. So we're going to be talking about that. And uh, just, I suppose, just going through like the different types of lead and uh, how to convert leads and the process that you might want to use and what isn't a lead and what is a lead and that kind of thing. Right. Yep, absolutely. I think that's really good. So I think we'll wrap up. Um, yeah, let's a do good, it. A good episode. And thank you all very much for listening. And yeah, make sure that uh, you join us for next week. So I think we will do the, the leads one because I think that's really good. Uh, and people need to know this information. So we'll do that next week. Uh, every Tuesday we go live. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week. Yep, cool. As always, uh, contact us on Twitter and the group as you always do. And uh, we will see you next week. Okay, bye everyone. Bye bye.